What does alchemy mean to you? Is it something that you use on a day-to-day basis? Is it something that you live your life by? Or is it something you really don't know about? You associate it with chemistry or you associate it with something like very esoteric. For me, astrology and alchemy are the occult sciences. They're defined that way. But I use alchemy on a daily basis. For me, it is so practical it is so tangible and I think it's really important because it's overlooked a lot like we get all hung up on learning something and we get intimidated sometimes like I don't know if I can learn that that's that has this kind of connotation or it's too it's too over my head or I'm not intelligent enough to learn that or we think um, you know maybe we just don't have a genuine interest in it But I think that if you look at the practicality of alchemy, alchemy is the process of a certain state or an element in chemistry, and it goes through a process of transformation in order to become a unified state. So what that can mean by definition, basically, is that um, it's the transmutation of matter in an attempt to convert base metals into gold. That's the definition. A few years ago, the Getty Museum reached out and said, would you come do an analysis for our blog to connect people with our current exhibition? And it was called The Alchemy of Color in Medieval Manuscripts. And much of their exhibition was all about... um, the late uh, Hellenistic figure, we don't even know if he's real, but there are so many texts written by him, um, Hermes Trismegistus, and he was an alchemist in his own right. And a lot of people reference his texts. He's also associated with Toth. And a lot of people, uh, philosophers and chemists, Um, in history have actually taken these words by him literally and tried to take base metals and turn them into gold. Um, There are other connotations like uh, people in search of the eternal elixir of youth and the philosopher's stone. And really what all this means is that through our human experience, through the human journey, we are in a process of of transformation and that we are ultimately trying to realize that or remember to recall that we are an immortal spirit and that's the eternal elixir of of youth excuse me and that's gold is that if we can remember that if we can be present in the here and now if we can remember that while being human we've got that gold stone that philosopher's stone we've got the key and it's really hard to remember that because this reality is so dense 
Being human is dense and it needs to be dense in order to have to be here. Otherwise, what are we doing here? There's a concept that some people are more enlightened than others here. There's a concept that some people are so pure, you know, they're like saintly and maybe. But every single human being here, I don't care what your belief about karma is, there are many different layers to karma. And for me, karma is a memory bank. It's just a lot of karma that has accumulated in your, and, and we have this kind of karmic bank, this karmic uh, baggage that we come here with to resolve. And that's what being human's about. It's about, it's about learning how to love ourselves and understanding that not only did we come from our family, not only do we have genetic karma, but we have ancestral karma, which is to be a human being, which includes the evolutionary process of growth and of consciousness. We also have other types of karma. We have our own personal karma. And personal karma is conscious karma, isn't it? That is That extends beyond collective karma, beyond evolutionary karma or elemental. It's really about knowing, being consciously aware. It's like if you know that you shouldn't uh, hurt that person and then you do it anyway, that's conscious karma. You're choosing to hurt someone consciously. You might have guilt because you did that. It's that straightforward. And then there's also collective karma. And collective karma, it's, it's not like if we do A, it equals B and C is going to happen. It's not that simple. It's not that straightforward. It's memory. And this memory, this evolutionary karma, this memory comes from being a human being. And we develop a system over time, having grown, having evolved as human beings, that protects us. And what that means is if we saw, if you, if you go back before electricity, for example, was invented, our intuition was probably a lot stronger because we needed to sense danger as a human being. And if you think about just the different ways in which we've evolved our intuition or not evolved our intuition and the different reasons for that, right? If you've been hurt in life, you now have a memory of how you were hurt. And anytime a situation resembles that uh, potential threat, you're going to have the same physiological reaction that you did when you were hurt. And so this is kind of a cyclical uh, karmic loop in which you're in consciously and it becomes a physiological problem. So where does that leave you in this process? You know, do you have free will? And, um, and what does it mean if we are here being, being human in these kind of karmic loops? Well, you certainly have free will in terms of using the process of alchemy, which are introducing tools into your life, like breath work, like being consciously aware and making conscious choices, which can align you to a state of remembering the truth that you are immortal 
And this is where uh, the human faculties really come into play and can help us understand what this human journey is about. But I think more importantly, and for the topic of this podcast, is what does it have to do with astrology, right? For me, utilizing some of these fundamental concepts can help you to not only read a text or read a post or read a book about astrology and regurgitate the information or to intellectually understand it, but it's like reading a manual. Once you read the astrology definitions or you hear it, you listen to it, then you actually need to put it into practice. And there are ways to work with something intangible like astrology to make it very intang or very tangible, excuse me, through the process of alchemy. So what are the human faculties and how can you work with this? Um, how can you work with what's happening in the world and how can you understand yourself? I was going to, for this episode, give you ways to work with the astrology that were, I don't know, more fundamental or more, um, fundamental is not the right word, that are more universal, like simple things like take a bath, stay hydrated, love yourself. But I realize that's all bullshit, excuse me, and it's continually regurgitated. Who wants to, how many times is someone going to tell you to take a bath and to add the certain things and to do this? You don't need any more reminders for fuck's sake, excuse my language. Um, let's, let's go deeper. Let's go to a layer and, and see that you can ask your body where you're at. Where are you at with this process of alchemy? How are you taking everything that's happening in the world? How are you taking the eclipse event that just happened in Capricorn? on July 4th and 5th. And how can you take this Mercury retrograde that is occurring? And instead of reading it and reading, okay, it went retrograde today and it means this for me and it stops on this day. Instead of knowing, reading, that, um, that Pluto is retrograde or that the United States is having its Pluto return and Chiron return and solar return, which I talk about in previous episodes about how the United States is going through a major deconstruction or deconstructive process and is being, um, it's, it's completely restructuring everything. It has to, it has to heal the past and its history. It has to, to redo much of what it's done in a different way. That is, um, a way to reform its, uh, policies and make a, society that is more beneficial for everyone and based in equality. That is the truth. Um, so that's what's happening in one part of the world. And it's happening, it's, it's affecting us on a global level. You've got much happening in your personal life as well. So rather than memorizing what's happening based on astrology, there's a way to intuitively analyze this with the framework of astrology, but then to apply it, to actually know it. So instead of throwing uh, those, those um, simple self-love help, help tips at you, let's talk about the human faculties. What are they? And 
Number one is that you as a human being have an imagination, right? And you as a human being have intuition. These are things that make you unique. These are the faculties of what it is to be a human being and to function as a human being with this consciousness, this tool, this mechanism that we have that allows us to take conscious action and part in our lives. Perception is a human faculty. Memory is a big one. Will and reason. These are all processes that you have available to you. And so part of understanding where you're at is to look at these processes within yourself and to ask what is going on. For one, the human imagination is linked to memory. And the body has a physiological response to what happens, whether it's responding to trauma, whether it's trying to protect you um, from being hurt again, whether physically or emotionally, right? That is um, the, some people call it ego, but this is your physiological response. This is your neurological system that is so highly intelligent. It's so intelligent. So, imagination, what is it to you? There are ways of projecting your imagination. I mean, the human imagination can go wild. In astrology, the imagination is related to the planet Neptune. Neptune can cause a lot of confusion, and that confusion can turn into overwhelm. Overwhelm because you're imagining every possible scenario of everything that can happen. And then what? Does it really happen? Does it manifest? Are you creating your reality? Maybe. But I think if you just recognize that your imagination is a powerful tool, it's a powerful human faculty, how can you utilize that? You can use it to manifest, but you can also recognize that it might not be the truth and that your imagination is part of your um, physical process and that the imagination can fuel ideas that can fuel a physiological response of paranoia or fear or different things. So you have to keep your imagination in check. It's good to fuel it. It's good to create a, a creative space for the imagination. But if our memory, another faculty is linked to the imagination then we might imagine everything that could go wrong because we have a human response of memory that if we do that, we could get hurt. Or if we do that, something bad is going to happen. Now, none of these are indicative of what will actually happen in the future. I remember once being in, I was in LA where I used to live, and I was at uh, Yoga West and I was in Guru Singh's class, who's a teacher there and whom I love. And he was talking about this analogy and it just really stuck with me. He said, you guys, he was talking to the class. He said, you guys don't, you, you, change is always happening, but you don't let it because you're walking on a tightrope and you're holding onto every little inch of the rope and you want to know where one hand and one foot are going to go. And you're afraid to just like take a big reach, you know, reach really far ahead, take a big step because you want to know how everything's going to play out and how and when and how it's going to unfold. 
And that's why nothing exciting can happen. You have to believe in magic. You have to believe in something um, extraordinary in order for something extraordinary to happen, right? There has to be a little ounce of possibility within you. Then you can will a new reality, another human faculty to will, to make happen, to take action. So check in with yourself and ask how much of this is real or how much is projected from my memory to protect myself. That is something I think as a human being we're overcoming, we're trying to evolve from, truly. So you have perception and checking in with your perception too is going to be based on your emotional response, which is based on your memory. So it kind of all, it kind of all goes back to memory. Your imagination is fueled by your memory. And I also think the imagination is fueled by something divine. And as it's represented imagination by the planet Neptune, That's where we find um, God in the chart, whatever God means to you, whether that's an art form. You know, if you're communing, painting, listening to music, playing the piano, you feel elated. You feel connected to God. You feel just held, don't you? If you find that, that one art form or that one devotional practice, whatever it is for you, that's Neptune in the chart. So the imagination is tied to both memory and I think some um, magical quality too, which is to, I mean, Einstein said it. He said, the imagination is the preview of life's coming attractions on the one hand, I think. And on, on the other hand, it is attached to memory. And so the imagination can get a little wild and paranoid as well. So you want to be aware of these Faculties. You want to be aware of this human process that is taking place. And while the planetary alignments are happening, you can apply these to these um, six human faculties. So there's also perception and intuition. What is real intuition versus paranoia? I This is a hard one for me. There have been many times when I feel very psychically attuned and I have these sensory feelings that I have no memory bank for. I can go to a place and I can feel something with that particular place or a person and it's it's related to scent. It's related to uh, I might get a vision or something and this is my intuition and I and it's not based in any kind of emotion because I have no memory bank for it. I have no previous experience with what I am experiencing in that moment, right? So that's happened quite a bit. And then how many times for you has it happened where you feel like you're having an intuitive hit? Or you feel like something intuitively is happening and it's a premonition. And 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 you become a little bit afraid, you know, that something bad's gonna happen. Here is, uh, from my experience too, is that intuition is subtle and it is not tied to emotion. It is very faint. It comes, it whispers, and it leaves. That's intuition. It could be a gut response for you. 
But notice when you think you're having an intuitive moment, but that perception is tied to memory. And then there's reason, and reason is what we do every day. It's our ability as human beings to be logical. And it's a blessing because the ability to have emotion and then to also be able to sit with it or reflect is the ability to reason and the ability to say, is this based in memory? Is this serving me? Is this helping me to grow? Is this useful for me? Or is this just baggage now that I need to move on from? These are important questions to ask ourselves, especially during these times when so much out there in the world is unstable. Out there is not giving us many answers. And all we can do is turn within to align ourselves to what is happening. And the eclipse, for example, is an alignment. The planets are always in perfect divine order. They don't collide. And there's something to say about things that are, are harmonious or that work. You can apply this concept to anything. If you've had a business for years, you're doing something right. You, maybe it's uh, the way you're handling the finances. Maybe you have a great product. There's something that works. If something is repeatedly not working in your life, it's not harmonious. And there is something also, this is another analogy, but I think it's worth mentioning. Nature itself is in perfect order. It's going to be here long after we're gone on earth. We might be damaging it. Um, and, and I think we should be the custodians to this earth and are. We have to care for it while we're here. But the earth is harmonious and the planets are in a harmonious relationship. Things that we create, for example, um, let's say a garden, if we let that garden go and we're not tending to it, it might become overtaken by nature. It might fall apart, right? So there's something to think about in terms of aligning your inner system that is natural, that is a part of the cosmos, that is a part of this universe. You are an integral part. You're completely one. I think sadness, fear, and a lot of emotions that feel dense and heavy arise because we feel alone or separate from this harmony of the universe. A lot of us have resistance. That's what this is all about. A lot of us have resistance based on memory, fear, paranoia, whatever it is, based on experience. So ask yourself where you are resisting the alignment. The alignment, let's say with the planets is occurring. And we know this, we're given this manual called astrology. And, but, but we have to utilize it. We can't just look at the words on the pages or listen. We need to utilize it in order to benefit from it. And so this alchemic process is about asking yourself, where are you having resistance? Where are you judging the process out of fear of change in order to align? 
So how do you do this healthfully? What is the process? In addition to asking yourself where the resistance is, also ask yourself what your relationship to darkness is. Are you comfortable with that transformation process that the United States is currently going through and we're going through globally as a result of COVID too? This is going to be a journey. You know, we're in the middle of it now. That's called the dark state. We're in the darkness. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't have a light. We have astrology that tells us this is going to last a little bit longer. We know why it's occurring. We've got that roadmap, but we need to do the work. We just to be comfortable while things are aligning and while things are in perfect order, which appears to be chaos, but that's part of the, the deconstruction. That's part of disassembling and shaking up the structures that weren't working, and even in our own lives. That which isn't working is going to be evident. So how comfortable are you with darkness and with discomfort? And the second thing is to extract your wisdom, to know that you are, and you truly have wisdom based on experience. And this is related to the nodes. So you've got the collective nodes of destiny, the north and south node in your chart, We've got collective notes happening now. We just finished that cycle in Capricorn. And there's wisdom in the South Node. A lot of astrologers will tell you, you know, you've got to move on from the South Node and focus on the North Node. That's a destination point. But you can extract, you can bring with you the experiential wisdom that you have with the South Node. So for us collectively right now, the south node is in Sagittarius and the north node is in Gemini. That means as a collective, we want knowledge, we want facts, we want to communicate. The shadow side to that is that we can get all caught up in gossip and useless information that is just, it's overwhelming. How many times have you gone on social media and felt like shit, excuse me, or gone on there and thought, there's so much information. I don't even know where to start. I don't even how. I don't even know where to to to, to go. Um, I don't know which resource is reliable. How much information is being regurgitated? Tons. How many of those accounts that you see are actually not real? Too. That's something to think about. So the South Node in Sagittarius tells us where the wisdom is, and the wisdom is in the experience. The wisdom is to have faith. Those are the exalted expressions of Sagittarius is to bring with you a strong faith, a positive attitude, a positive vision for the future, and to bring with you your experience because that's what makes you unique. And knowledge and experience lead to wisdom. Whereas Gemini can be the more superficial layers of reading the text or flipping through the pages. That's the shadow side. There's a beautiful side to Gemini, which is to want to fact check, which is to want to talk to many people about their experiences rather than the shadow side of Sagittarius, which is the self-righteousness, which is to say, I've had this experience and my way is correct, right? So that's something to think about is that that's a collective theme that is going to apply to your personal life right now as well. So what wisdom are you bringing forth 
What experience do you have? What makes you unique? And how are you also open to information and to adaptation, but also not becoming overwhelmed by it, not leaning into the superficial aspects of gossip and hearsay and um, and just of all that excess information that can become so overwhelming and basically be a huge overload to your nervous system, which causes even more stress. Part of this alchemic process too is how do you stay afloat? We still have to function, you know, if we're going through a dark time or that not comfortable in darkness, if we don't know where things are going in our own life too, and we need to make choices and we need to have a plan because having a vision helps us go in a direction, right? It gives us hope. We want to wake up and feel like, Good things are happening in our lives. It's what motivates us. So what do you do when that's not happening? How do you stay afloat? It's to be in a receptive space of newness, to say, I don't know what's going to happen, to check in with those faculties of memory and imagination, and to just check in with that as as a human being. I mean, you have that ability, no matter what anyone tells you. So if you're in this space of not knowing, just to be receptive to something different, maybe that's your mantra, maybe that's your affirmation is that I'm open to that which I don't know. I'm open to change. I'm open to the unfamiliar. I welcome it. I want new memories, new memories that allow me to experience life differently. And then to learn, to learn about what's going on. This is tapping into that Gemini North node of a willingness to learn, a willingness to to learn also about yourself and to, to utilize these tools from people who have experience, right? But then also to ask yourself, when are you reaching too much outside of yourself? When are you going too far out there and you're you're losing your own inner alignment, your own inner compass? You're detached from your own process because you're looking too much to other people. The eclipse comes with a really strong, explicit message. And eclipses always wake us up. They shake us. And their effects last about six months. And with eclipses, and in particular this one in Capricorn that just closed a cycle, it's really about adapting and surrendering. And it's not really about testing your manifesting abilities right now. Um, It's about trusting yourself. If you can only take one thing away from today, one thing away from this episode, one thing away from what we're discussing is adaptation and alignment. If you can just adapt to what's going on and think about your own inner alignment, you're winning. You're going to be ahead of us all because that's all you can do right now is think in terms of alignment and remember that you are not alone you are a part of this universe there's a woman named lisa barrett and she is a psychologist and a researcher and also a university professor and an author 
Um, but I like her work because she's, she's really practical in terms of body function. And I think right now, when all we can do is work on alignment, there are really practical ways instead of focusing on those more like universal ways of, you know, taking a bath and doing what everyone else is doing. And I'm not against that, those. I keep repeating them because they're so a part of this Gemini North node where information is just regurgitated and shared and shared and shared with maybe no real substance. And my goal is to give you different ways, practical ways to alchemize the astrology so that you can actually align to what's happening um, in an intuitive way for yourself. So through these tools, you can actually uh, analyze and be with yourself and think about what's happening happening in a more practical way. For example, our emotions are incredibly powerful. I know for me, my emotions can dominate my reality. They can make my imagination go wild. They can um, make me feel like emotions are facts. And the interesting uh, thing, at least to me, that Lisa Barrett talks about a lot in her work is how, yes, emotions affect the body, but they're not generated by the body. I'll say it again. Emotions are not generated by the body. Emotions are a result of a process in the body. And that process is based on our primal ability. Primal isn't good. Primal isn't fundamental. But primal also relating to memory. We and our ancestors have a memory that we have inherited that is about protecting us from danger, for example. That's primal. So if we see a lion in our backyard and not at the zoo, we have a primal memory, an ancestral karma uh, that says, okay, that could kill us or harm us. Ooh, ooh, we need to run or, you know, we're in danger. We're not going to run over to the animal because we know because our ancestors have had experience with this. And we know because we've read things now. Um, but more so, it's ingrained in our memory bank. We'll have a physiological response of fight or flight when we see that image. So the same thing happens in your life regarding emotions. You'll have an emotion as a result of a bodily response. And so you can ask yourself, and, and, and it's not that it generates it, but it's how we interpret so what will happen is your body will have a sense. It'll smell something, see something, taste something, and it will create a physiological response in your body that you will then attribute to your memory bank. That then generates an emotion. And your emotion from there can go wild in your imagination. But what's really happening is your body's trying to predict what will happen next. And this is what creates anxiety. Um... And we always associate the experience happening now to our memory bank because that's what is instinctually happening. It's automatic. That's what happens in the body. So instead of saying, all right, this person has this expression on their face or they treated me in this way and I know that means X, Y, and Z. Instead, it takes a lot of work to say, okay, I recognize that, but what if something different could happen? 
So it's not to put yourself in danger or to go against what's happening, but it's to evaluate your response in a different way and to say, wait a minute, my body might be having a little bit of anxiety because I'm tired instead. My body might be dehydrated. I might be feeling this particular way for another reason and I'm trying to make sense of it based on memory, based on an association of bodily sensations. In other words, you're always having reactions based on uh, personalized perception and emotions that you associate with other things or certain things from your past that maybe prevent you from living in the present and in the here and in the now. So the good news, though, is that you can really change this based on this alchemic process based on your emotional interpretation, based on understanding what's really going on, just because you have an emotion, just because you're angry, sad, um, frustrated, might be because you're tired, might be because you're dehydrated, might be because you have other things going on and, and the emotion is just a result of that associated to your past and you trying to make sense of things, trying to predict the next outcome. If you can, through... And this process is, in neuroscience, it's called uh, neuroplasticity, which is just to change the way that you respond by recognizing it, by saying, okay, maybe it could mean something different, by introducing possibilities, by using your imagination, in a, by harnessing it in a positive and constructive way. And anxiety, for example, I think a main one that most of us feel is associated with not being prepared. We can have anxiety because we um, have this much going on or we don't know what's happening next. And so we experience anxiety. Our heart beats faster. But check in with yourself. Have you taken care of your basic body functions? People underestimate basic body functions like getting enough rest, like sleeping, um, like really taking care of yourself so that you can and are equipped and have the energy to actually think differently and to consider things, to ask yourself questions. Your brain is highly, highly intelligent. It tells you, it, it's, it tells you what you need. The basic functions, our body's primal, our consciousness is not. Our consciousness is what has evolved. Remember that. Your body is wired to release good feeling endorphins um, or to let you know through discomfort if something's wrong. And that can be interpreted as an emotion, but really it could be a basic body function that is needing care. So that's why self-care is so important during eclipse time. And whenever you do feel anxiety, go back to self-care and ask yourself, what is my body, this primal, ancient tool, what is it telling me? What is it in need of? And using your consciousness and your mind to reframe that and to become more empowered.
you have tremendous emotional intelligence and an ability to change your reality and an ability to align. Um, yogis call it sadhana, um, which is a time when they wake up before the sun rises to do their devotional practice. And this, what it really means um, is that you're waking from sleep. What does it mean to sleep, to be unaware? You're waking from your sleep into consciousness, into the realization for the day when the sun rises. You can take time if you're that ambitious. Um, I have a hard time waking up for sadhana before the sun rises in a devotional practice, but it's to benefit you. That's it. It's not to worship anything other than to honor yourself and to know that when you wake up in the morning, first thing in the morning is the most vulnerable, but also fruitful period. What do you do in the morning, right when you wake up? How do you spend that time? Do you jump on your phone? Do you throw caffeine into your body? Or do you breathe? Do you set an intention for the day? Do you think about these different processes? Do you just sit and observe and feel your body? Do you connect to it? That would be really constructive. That's a beautiful way to align yourself and to feel at peace and to feel empowered right now. That's a really, really powerful way. Other basic ways are, and you know some of these, I'm just reminding you, especially now with the um, very, very tumultuous climate, and this is reflected in the astrological alignments because change needs to occur on earth. It's way overdue and we're in the midst of it. So it is a blessing that feels very uncomfortable and there are certain constructive ways to deal with it. One is moving energy in the body. So whatever your form of movement is, is it dance? Is it yoga? Again, connecting with this primal tool, your body that allows you to have a human experience. The other is through meditation and quieting the mind. So you can actually listen. So you can actually observe your thoughts. To manage your sleep and to engage with the world. Now, what I mean by engage with the world is that how many of you, even if you're surrounded by people, can feel lonely? Engaging with the world means noticing the small innuendos, the small things in life. Like when you breathe, you are making a conscious choice. You are inviting life and vitality into your body when you make a choice to breathe. It's an involuntary process. But if you breathe, you're inviting air that is circulated into your lungs, into your heart, into that organ which circulates oxygen throughout the body. And that is such a primal function that is overlooked. The importance is so beautiful in the way that you breathe and you're inviting that vitality into your body. Another way to commune with the universe is to eat, right? To be mindful of what you're putting into your body and what you're digesting. Food from the earth is to commune with it, is to be a part of it. 
I'm not underestimating this uh, isolation period or saying that you, you know, shouldn't not feel lonely, but, but there's something to say about, um, it's not about human interaction as much as communing with yourself and the universe and to knowing that there is so much more connectedness beyond human contact right now, because we can't have the kind of human contact that we're used to and that we need and that we want to. Other ways are to really align with what makes you happy and to do it daily right now. Is it to listen to music? Is it to talk on the telephone? Is it to disconnect from social media? Is it to read? Is it to sit in silence? Is it to feel your feet on the earth? What are small things that you can do? How can you conserve your energy right now too? There's so much happening. It's exhausting. I know a lot of my clients either have insomnia or are sleeping more than they need. Excuse me, they're needing more sleep. So they're sleeping a lot or not sleeping enough. So how are you minding your own mindfulness? How are you minding your connectedness? How are you aligning to the change in the universe? Paolo Coelho says in The Alchemist, This is why alchemy exists, the boy said, so that everyone will search for his treasure, find it, and then want to be better than he was in his former life. Lead will play its role until the world has no further need for lead, and then lead will have to turn itself into gold. That's what alchemists do. They show that when we strive to become better than we are, everything around us becomes better too. Now in astrology, lead is associated with the planet Saturn and in alchemy. And there are ways, and I think this is a whole other episode, but there are ways in ancient astrology and medical astrology and an ancient tradition, which is still practiced um, in India and Um, in other places, there's a way to work with the planets um, using alchemy too directly and related to the elements, related to the different planets. And so that will be another episode. It's a holistic way to heal yourself. But lead being attributed to the planet Saturn is about redemption, transformation, death, and eternity. Because Saturn's all about stability and eternity, but also significant transformation. And gold is attributed to the sun, that vital life force energy that gives sustenance and that basically turns those base metals like lead into something um, more pure. And so gold is seen as uniting the heart, mind, body, spirit, soul. I'll leave you with one more quote, but I do hope that you are caring for yourself and that you are reminded of how these bodily functions are so ingrained within us and they can dominate our reality and our experience. So not only is it important to understand 
I think our relationship to the cosmos and what's happening in the world and then seeing them reflected in the events. But then to take a step back and know that we are so integral and we are so part of everything that we have to take inventory and we have to align to what is right for us so that we can show up in the world and that we are entitled. It is our birthright to, uh, to be happy and to feel uplifted, that suffering is a misunderstanding, whether our body's out of alignment and we are actually suffering from imbalance or um, old processes, our memory is so heavy and so ingrained that we have to kind of take control of that and adapt it and realign it. So I'll leave you with this quote from Deepak Chopra. He says, The secrets of alchemy exist to transform mortals from a state of suffering and ignorance to a state of enlightenment and bliss. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with those who you feel would enjoy it most and consider leaving a five-star review. You can find me on my website at rosetheodora.com and follow me on Instagram for daily updates at rosetheodora underscore astrology. Thank you.